This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Welcome into the warm and cozy Hot Stove Fortified Studios at 710 ESPN Seattle on the shores of East Lake. Yes. Which I took that from Matt Pittman years ago, Howdy. He would always say that on the pre and the post shows. And we are, we're not technically on the shores of East Lake, but, uh, you know, not a bad place to be talking some baseball on a still winter-ish, Seattle yeah. winter-ish. We, we need a hot evening. stove because these are some cold, cold days out here. Um, I'm ready for some heat. You're pining for the times when you could have been in Arizona right around this We're not time. just talking about the weather right now. <laughs> we're talking about where's the baseball. But, hey, we are here to uh, keep you occupied at least for one hour a week right now as we wait for the return of baseball. we got a great show for you tonight. I'm excited about this one. Uh, we're going to visit with a young uh, Mariner, Cade Marlowe. You may have heard his name last year. And if you did, it was usually attached to some pretty impressive offensive stats. A little bit about him. He was one of, I believe, it was only seven 2020 players in all of the minor leagues last year. 20 home runs, 20 stolen bases. Was the first player to 100 RBI. Might have been the only player in the minor leagues. That's a little bit tougher to check, but finished the year with 107 runs batted in, which is very rare in the minor leagues. So uh, kind of a a, a little bit of a different name. You were interested in talking to him. We asked, we got him. We're going to learn a little bit more about Cade Marlowe, an outfielder in the Mariners organization, coming up shortly. The hyphen, Ryan Roland-Smith. We're going to talk a little Aussie a little bit later. He's going to join us as well, and I know there are things you want to dive into with with him at our disposal. I just can't wait to talk with Ryan. He was so excited after the Robbie Ray signing, and rightly so. I'm just really curious from his perspective how he sees the Mariners' rotation shaping up and what Robbie Ray really does to the Mariners' rotation as it relates to the playoff window and the playoff competition in the AL. So we are going to just tap into his expertise and experience in that matter coming up in just a bit. Gary Hill, we will have his segment that will hopefully make us smarter. We need a title for that, and I think there's something along those lines. But this week, Gary explains something that perhaps I got more questions about as far as numbers and metrics go all season long on Twitter. This is one that if you were afraid to ask, he's got it covered. That's coming up in just a bit. We'll have a little bit of hot stove uh, talk as well. Uh, There are negotiations that uh, have been happening, which is good. They are going slowly, but uh, hey, we will take any progress. Also a name out there of interest. Got some insight on that. Uh, All of a sudden you you heard some rumblings this week. We'll get into what that was all about, about a a possible player that could be coming the Mariners' way. In our weekly series of Get to Knows with the Mariners host, Jake Heaps is in the hot seat today. We'll learn about his baseball. But, hey, right out of the gates, we're going to catch up with the Mariners' Ken Griffey Jr. MILB, Minor League uh, Hitter of the Year Award winner. Cade, where do we find you today? Today I'm in Tipton, Georgia, uh, about two and a half hours south of Atlanta. Just uh, another day in the off season. Got some work in this morning. Did like some mental skill stuff, some meditation, some breathing, and then I'll head to the baseball field in about in about an hour, and then I'll hit the weight room tonight and call it a day. Let's go ahead and take this back a little bit, Cade. You had a tremendous. 2021 season and I would imagine there was a lot to unpack from that and probably I mean after driving in 107 runs (laughs) there probably was a little bit of a kind of rest and relaxation that needed to happen I understand you went to the Arizona Fall League but when you finally had a time 
to kind of just stop everything and take a look back. What were the things that, that you thought about and kind of reviewed? I was really grateful to have had the year I had. Uh, I was really grateful to have had people around me to help me um, to get those results. But, I mean, I think it's more about, like, the process and, like, the people I interacted with every day, my coaches, my teammates, they really just helped me reach those goals. What kind of stuff have you been working on since you've been drafted by the Mariners? I think you were drafted in, what, the 20th round? Uh, you spent your career and yes, your college career in Georgia, the University of Georgia. What's it been like for you just being in the Mariners organization to start out your professional career? Yeah, um, I actually went to the University of West Georgia. Thank you. It's a lot smaller than the University of Georgia, but um, yeah, I mean, ever since, I mean, I just think the Mariners have the best. I mean, I obviously haven't seen any of the other minor league organizations, but just from what I've seen with the Mariners, I mean, they do everything the right way. I mean, from top to bottom, I mean, it's just awesome. Like, we have mental skills coaches. We have, we, I mean, we have great mental skills coaches. We have great strength and conditioning staff and hitting coaches. I mean, just everyone, everybody in the organization is just, it's all about like helping, helping the players grow and helping us develop and just be the best players and, I mean, more importantly, people that we can be. And, I mean, that's just like, I mean, obviously I can talk about, like, my swing and stuff like that that I've made changes to, but I think it's just, like, all credit to just, like, the people in the organization that just help us to just get better and better every day as players and people. How different is that from college? I mean, obviously, when you're in college, everything in that program is geared towards you, and now you're in a gigantic organization with big resources. Uh, how, how do you utilize that, and how does that? How different was that day to day from before? I think in college, it's kind of like it's not really a hobby, but it's not like. I mean, when you're in college, your main focus is academics, and then baseball is kind of secondary to that. I mean, you've got to. You know, you got to go to class and everything first, and then you go to baseball afterwards. But being a professional baseball player, it's kind of like like the main focus of your day. Like you wake up and you think about, like, you know, what can I do today to better myself as a baseball player? But I mean, like the resources, resources they give us are incredible. Um, every, I mean, we have everything from like nutritionists to like the workouts they give us. Uh, through the strength and conditioning department, um, our resources, like I talked about before, with the mental skills coaches, uh, Adam Bernero and Stephanie Hale, it's just it's incredible. We've talked to a lot of people, Shannon and I, in the Mariners organization about their their plans for players and how that's one of the things they're really proud of, developing a plan to say, mm-hmm. when you get into our organization, this is where you are and this is what we see could be in your future and where you could go, where your skills line up and what you could work on. Can you share with us any of that plan, how that, how you received that when you first saw it and what that's like working through a plan like that to develop into the player you're going to become? Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's really important. I think a plan, like we talk about plans when we, before we step into a box, I mean, having any kind of plan is better than having no plan of all. Andy McKay says that being committed to any plan is better than having no plan at all. But like the plan they lay out for, for each of us is like really individualized and like it highlights like our strengths. And then, I mean, our weaknesses and obviously we want to maintain our strength and utilize our strengths to help us perform and be of like the best help to the organization and our teams that we can be. But, um, 
I just think ha- having that layout of like you're going to do this with your swing or your approach to to help you to help you walk more or be a better run producer. I mean, it's just it's so important. And it's it's really overlooked a lot of times. I think like that mental aspect of just having a plan and having an approach is is so overlooked, but it's so important. And I, I think the Mariners have really keyed in on that important aspect of the game. And that, I mean, it kind of puts organization ahead of a lot of others in that aspect. Who do you see yourself as a player right now, having gone through all of that as compared to what you were coming into the organization? If you were to do a self-scout and a breakdown and, and, and what you expect to see from yourself and, and your role in a team uh, as a hitter specifically, what what is that? I mean, I think coming in, I, just, I was really happy to be there and I was just happy to just get that opportunity to play at the next level. And then as I've, as I've gone through a year of short season and a year of obviously the year of uh, COVID where we were off. And then last year, the full season, I I just think that I kind of, I mean, I've grown in a lot of ways and I think the biggest way I've grown is like in that mental aspect of the game. And um, I mean, physically I've put on some good weight, some good muscle and got a little faster, which has helped me which has helped help me hitting, obviously, but I just think that the the mental side of the game is so important, and just the um, like the planning, like in the locker room before the games, we we have uh, like hitters meetings and just going through those plans and just it, it kind of gives you a sense of confidence in like in what you're going to do, and then you go into the game and you, you have this you have that confidence, and you just you just see yourself just carrying out that plan to success. And I just feel like for myself that that's just one of the biggest ways I've grown as a hitter. You're in a farm system with the Mariners, and we're talking with Cade Marlowe, uh, Mariners outfielder. That's really well-respected in the industry. Lots of guys coming through the system. Lots of great outfielders have come through the system and are still coming through. Who are some of the guys that you've played with so far that, you're just like, man, that guy is great. <laughs> I like playing next to that guy. That guy's pretty good. Oh, I played next to. It, it was a. It was like a spring training game. I played. I played an outfield with Julio. I never played with him when he was in Everett, or I haven't played in Arkansas yet. Um, but I've been around Julio a lot. I got to be around him a lot out in Arizona and um, up in Seattle. I got to be around him during the award ceremony and I just think he's a great guy. He's got he's got awesome energy and he just he I mean I mean he's a great baseball player but I think he's an even better person and I just think that's so important. Kate, you were talking a couple of minutes ago about uh in college everything was kind of geared towards the studies. Now not Everybody, I think, would admit that. I know uh, a couple of people, and I know that I certainly wasn't always geared toward the studies when I was in college. Uh, did I read somewhere that you were a biology major and, and considering med school? Yeah, <laughs> that, that may be why. I Baseball was a little secondary because the school was, <laughs> it took a lot of studying and a lot of time, but I still committed a lot of my time to baseball. But yes, I was, I was biology pre-med focused and that was my plan, but I mean, things changed, and I just got opportunity of a lifetime, and I just I wanted to continue my baseball career. I'm so grateful that it all worked out like it did. 
I, I bet you keep your eyes open to you. You mentioned the mental skills quite a bit. You mentioned when we were talking a couple of minutes ago about a breathing guru. Probably helps to have that science background as well on the, with the baseball side. Yeah, it helps. I mean, that just kind of gives me, I don't know, it just gives me, it just keeps my mind open, I think. I don't know. Some guys may say, well, it's, it's just I can get along without all of that stuff, but um, I, I don't know. I just really respect like the science and everything behind it, and I, I still read a lot of stuff on it, and uh, I, I think it definitely is beneficial to all athletes, and especially baseball players in a, in a game that's so, so mentally taxing. Well, Cade, we appreciate the time you've taken today. We cannot wait to see you, hopefully, down in Peoria in not too long. And uh, you know we're going to be following this upcoming season. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thank you, guys. Yeah, I feel like there's going to be a longer sit-down with him in spring training this year. There's there's a lot going on there with Cade Marlowe. But uh, bottom line, exciting young hitter in the Mariners organization. Yeah, somebody that really did come off the radar for some people. And in a system I think for that, himself, too. Yeah, it does seem that way, doesn't it? In a system that has so many outfielders, to, to have another one sort of pop in a way that maybe is a little unexpected, it's just great news for the Mariners' system in general. And there's a good chance that this is a guy you could be hearing about come end of the season, too. I wouldn't be surprised. Looking forward to that. But coming up next, Gary Hill and his He's Going to Make a Smarter segment, which we're going to clean up. We'll come up with a good name, but I, I think you get what we're doing here. Hey, check out our Flex membership. Sit in the bleachers on Friday, then snag tickets behind first base on Sunday. The best part? Save 10% or more on tickets and get priority access to the 2023 All-Star Week and the postseason. Start making those summer plans at mariners.com slash flex. Receive the latest on everything Mariners when you sign up for our text messages, breaking news, alerts on ticket specials, and more. All you have to do is text Mariners to 24247 to sign up today. Shannon Dreyer, James Osborne, and before we get into our latest from Gary Hill, I, I did promise I teased a little bit of hot stove news, and there are a couple of things that I think we need to get to this week. And yes, there were negotiations today between the players uh, union and Major League Baseball. It seems like we are seeing baby steps right now. I think the important thing is we are seeing steps. We know what is on the table and what they are trying to negotiate, which is progress after such a long shutdown. Yeah, there's actually been quite a bit of progress, although these negotiations don't seem like the sides are moving that far. We went through a really long stretch where the MLBPA and the league didn't meet for a long time. And since they had their major meeting last week, they actually have met every day on some smaller issues. So I think those are all positive signs and where it's trending. As far as where the finish line is, they've got quite a ways to go, it still sounds like. The other thing that I wanted to hit on just really quickly is, and this is, you know, true hot stove talk, say a Suzuki was a topic of conversation this week. We haven't heard much true hot stove and player movement. You can't because you can't talk to free agents. Teams can't talk to each other. But there all of a sudden was quite a buzz around Seiya Suzuki and a couple of pieces that came out in some Japanese publications that a lot of folks took to the Google Translate and, you know, were thoroughly confused after that in some cases. But what came out of these uh, were two things. There was one article that said that Suzuki was all but a Red Sox. 
And then there was another article that said that Suzuki had uh, was expected to narrow it down to four teams. They were all West Coast teams, and the Mariners were one of them. I like that report. Can we believe that one? <laughs> Tell me we can believe that one. I would say take every report with a grain <laughs> of salt. What happened, and I did some digging into this, uh, Say I went and visited his former team and made a formal visit to the team, very traditional, uh, dressed up in the suit, and, and went to pay his respects to his former team. And uh, as was such... All the Japanese media were there, and so that is why there were so many articles about Suzuki all of a sudden just flooding, you know, kind of the baseball landscape for a day or two. It's speculation. I don't think we are any closer to knowing where he is going to land. There were two things of interest. It did appear that he is anxious to get over here as soon as this ends, as quickly as possible to get this done. But the other thing that was uh, kind of, and this is the one thing that I would just kind of keep an eye on, there has been one interview with him personally, and he granted an interview a couple of weeks ago to a Giants writer. And that is the one thing that would have me a little bit nervous about anything. The Mariners do have interest, but I don't put too much into he's you know all but signed with the Red Sox or he's narrowed it down to four West Coast teams and perhaps the Cubs I, I just don't think we're there yeah and I think this is a really important player to watch for the Mariners because he may not fetch the same kind of price as the top free agents he's probably not going to sign for 30 plus million dollars a year but his numbers in Japan were really incredible and he's in the prime of his career he's an excellent athlete and if he was to perform at a similar level like that that could be a really great value for the Mariners and it wouldn't probably prohibit them from signing another big bat as well definitely kind of an out of the box idea but everybody's onto it there's a large market about half the teams in baseball are said to be in on this so we shall see what happens All right, so that's our good little dose of hot stove talk. We'll have a little bit more on the pitching side with Ryan Roland-Smith coming up in a few minutes. But first, as promised, Gary Hill is going to make us smarter, and this one is huge. This is the number, the stat, the metric that I get more questions about on Twitter or see more comments. It's one that if you listen to a broadcast, if you watch a broadcast, you've heard it, you've seen it. We are talking exit velocity. Why is that so important? Gary Hill, take it away. Tonight we're going to tackle a topic that we've been talking about increasingly the last few years, and that's exit velocity. And while we reference exit velocity more and more on the broadcast, I feel like we really haven't explained why we reference exit velocity more and more. So let's start with the very basics. Exit velocity measures the speed of the baseballs that come off the bat right after the batter makes contact. But what's interesting is when you break down the numbers and look at just how impactful exit velocity is to outcomes. Before we get there, let's take a moment and look at actual exit velocities. The official definition of a hard hit ball is one that is 95 miles per hour plus off the bat. So it's pretty intuitive when you think about it, and especially when you get to triple digits, when you get to 100-plus, and those numbers really bear out. And then when you get in the low 90s or 80s or below, it really tells the story. So let's dive into the approximate numbers from last season to give you a real feel for what we're talking about. Let's start with 100-plus miles per hour, and we'll kind of break this down three different ways. And... We'll start with batting average just because it's simple. Now, one thing to keep in mind when we're talking batting average in this case, it, it's not compared to like a hitter's batting average because we have taken out the strikeouts in this scenario. So strikeouts are not involved. This is just batting average 
on balls in play. So the averages will, of course, be higher when you take strikeouts out of the mix. But as a comparison number, you'll see the difference. When you look at 100-plus miles per hour, the hardest hit balls, the batting average, balls in play, 598. Now, if you look at 95 to 99, still officially hard hit ball, just below the 100 threshold, it's still 342. Good number. Now you get below 90 to 94 miles per hour. You're down to 240. You get below... 89 miles per hour, anything under that, you're talking about 212. That's a big stair step. 212, 240, 342, 598. Now, slugging percentage, same deal. When you look at 100 plus miles per hour, you're talking about 1,300 slugging percentage, which is pretty absurd. 95 to 99 miles per hour, a 559 slugging percentage. And then you get to the 90-94 threshold, you're down to 314, and 89 or below, it's 240. 1,300, 559, 314, and 240. To drive this point home even further, looking at home runs last year, balls off the bat 100-plus miles per hour, approaching 90% of all home runs hit in baseball last year we're above the 100-plus threshold, approaching 90% of homers. In the category just below the 95 to 99, you're talking about nearly 10% of home runs from a year ago. And then after that, I mean, it just falls off the map. 90 to 94 miles per hour, you're at roughly 1%. And then 89 below, you're talking about 2, and not 2%, 2 total from a year ago. As you can see, Exit Velocity, we have fun with on the broadcast. We really like to talk about it. Because who doesn't like talking about a ball that's 110 miles per hour off the bat? But the real reason we do is it does have real impact on outcomes. It really matters. It matters for hitters, and it matters for pitchers. And of course, there is nuance to this, like everything else in baseball. For example, as a hitter, you have to make contact enough to make a high exit velocity valuable. But I hope that we put things in context for you the next time we talk about exit velo on the broadcast. So, to refresh, so far in this hot stove season, we have learned that you want a good O swing, you want to swing at the good pitches, and you want to connect with the good pitches. I appreciate this look into the numbers with Gary. It's so simple. The harder it's hit, the more likely it is to go over the fence. Thank you, Gary. I don't know how we would do it. No, we're kidding. We're kidding. Hopefully that cleared up something because this is, you do hear so much more about exit velocity these days. Coming up next, we have got a chance to catch up with one of my favorites. One of you can be your favorite too. Ryan Roland Smith is going to stop by. We're going to take a look at this Mariners rotation. You're listening to the Hot Stove Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. The Hot Stove Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. The 22 season is around the corner and packed full of great times at T-Mobile Park. Don't miss out on matchups against the Yankees, Red Sox, and Braves, plus seven fireworks nights and Ichiro Hall of Fame weekend in August. Secure your seats now at Mariners.com. Shannon Dreyer, James Osborne, now joined by somebody that I miss terribly in the offseason. Um, I, I just feel like we need to be talking for a good 45 minutes to an hour every night and just kind of hashing out all the baseball, but that's what the season is for. Ryan Roland-Smith joins us now. Ryan, great to hear from you. You too. It has been a long off season. It feels long. 
really long for some reason. Well, Maybe I, the walkout. I don't know. I think <laughs> technically it's getting longer than any of the ones that we have had before. But oh, yeah. I, hey, I want to congratulate you. You obviously have been putting good use uh, in with your time, your podcast, and that is your baby. That is your start to finish. You have put together something special there. Oh, thank you. I appreciate. It. Yeah, I, I started you know conversations in 2020 because yeah, as you know, we had no baseball to to, to look forward to. So I started reaching out to players, and they they really wanted to chat. They had nothing really else to do. Um, and then, yeah, and then I, I sort of, you know, put it on ice and then Grant Balfour at fellow Aussie, one of my best friends, wanted to jump on. And it's, it's one of these little things like that you really enjoy doing it. But man, all of a sudden you start having some really good guests, you know, from, from Mitch Hanniger, Paul Seawald, you know, all the way down to, you know, Chris Woodward, the manager of the, um, of the Texas Rangers. I just had the batting stance guy on today. That was hilarious. So <laughs> it's just anyone, anyone and everyone around the game, I just love hearing their stories and just having those good, good, chats where you can on a podcast you know those long chats and, and they dive in so it's been a lot of fun give us just one moment that kind of opened your eyes or you thought okay this is really cool we're having this conversation i think well tyler matzik last week with the braves um he started to get a little bit emotional and we actually stopped it because he was it was and again this is um something that i didn't stop it because he's getting emotional i just because it was like hey man you know, if you need a second, it's all good. But he was gonna, that was pretty cool because all of a sudden, here's a guy who went through the yips, who's out of the game, you know, for two solid years, basically. I mean, the, he, you know, he's telling me about the Mariners signing him and they just said, look, man, we've got nothing for you. Uh, you know, first round pick and here he is pitching a World Series in 2021. So that was pretty cool. That, that and, and, you know, Mitch Hanniger too, I think just, just being locally, I love having these Mariner players on. Because of what they went through last year, how close they were, and how excited they are for next year as well. It's so cool when you have that really good, you know, conversation about what's next. And I think for Mitch Hanniger, I think, you know, being one of the leaders on this team, how excited he was about the next year. That was one of those cool moments. Like, man, I, I, I enjoy sharing this, and you want to share it with everyone, you know? Well, he was pretty excited about one of his old buddies, Robbie Ray, coming in. You were pretty excited about that too, huh? Oh yeah, big time. I mean, look, it was getting down to that point where. And again, nothing against the Mariners. They do such a good job of, of you know, identifying talent that you, is not on the on the on the front page or, or you know, not the big priority, not the big move or the or the, the typical, you know, the, the the guy who you really want to get after. But I, I was getting to that point where you knew the lockout was about to come. All these free agents are signing quickly and doing that, and they're seeing all these moves. Like, man, this is. And it was a really exciting time. It's like, man, can they somehow condense free agency to make it like this more often? Because it was really, really exciting. And the Mariners are sort of taking a back seat. And I'm sitting there going, man, come on, just make one move, just something. And sure enough, left-handed starting pitcher, one of my favorite guys to watch um, in 2021. And all of a sudden, and then they, they committed long-term. It was a big, it was a long-term deal. That's what I love about it. It wasn't a situation where, you know, the Mariners, and again, like I said, nothing against this. They're really smart about it and, and piecing, uh, piecing together guys who under the radar, but, You'll want to see that frontline guy and watching Robbie Ray, what he did, and he kind of overcame, you know, um, you know, mentally, physically, all the little things that made him work at, at, at his best potential. I just think that it's super exciting. And the fact that you've got him and then you've got Marco right behind him, Chris Flexen, uh, Logan Gilbert, who's just, I think Logan, Logan Gilbert's going to go off this year. I really do. Um, just, and I think, I think they can still add one more. I really do. I, I know they've got a lot of guys. In the farm right now, who are ready to go, but man, just add that one more. You're going to have an amazing rotation, which I think is going to put you in in the best position. Uh, you know, come September.
Yeah, Jerry DePoto has expressed wanting to bring in another starting pitcher. Probably isn't going to be a one, two, or maybe not even a three, but it is looking, and I wouldn't be surprised if we saw somebody. You just said something, though, that I, I want you to get into a little bit more. Logan Gilbert, you think he's really going to go off this year. What is it that you saw last year in the direction that he was going that, that makes you think that? Well, I think, so, you know, Shannon, you and I spoke about this a lot on the post game, and, and again, another opportunity where we can sit and really dive into some things we see. And I think with Logan Gilbert, he comes up, you know, he's got, yeah, he's, he's got a little success under his belt all of a sudden. He's, he gets on a roll, and all of a sudden, Pete Woodworth, the pitching coach, said, listen, we're identifying something with your, you know, with your secondary stuff that we have to fix now. And then all of a sudden, he started to struggle, and everyone's like, oh, what's happened to Logan Gilbert? Well, he was working through some things and talking to Pete, talking about the things that were going to be long-term a benefit. Now, one of those things was speeding up that slider. And again, we've talked about it a lot. And I just, watching him work through that, and then by the end of the year, getting, getting a grasp on that. When, and, and the reason, one of the things, and to get too technical here, I don't want to take up too much of, of your time, but the reason why is because when everything's coming out of that same tunnel at the same arm speed, you have to make those adjustments. You cannot live on a situation where you're throwing three different pitches, three different arm slots, or diff- three different arm speeds. Hitters would just catch up to that. That scouting report just grows and grows the longer you're in the big leagues. So the fact that they could put you know, put that to bed and get, and get to work on it, and then it wasn't a situation where he just went right back to what he was doing. He sort of morphed into the old version and the new version. And you could see towards the end there with Logan Gilbert, he would just have that presence that he had when he first came up, that comfort level, and that's something that he could just take right into the off season. And then obviously everything you learn from you know day to day starts everything else. I just think you know for him, man, it, it, sky's the limit for him. And I just think there's just going to be this level of consistency with with him coming into 2022 that was kind of missing a little bit last year. And when he gets that, man, he's going to just go absolutely off. I want to know a little bit more about Robbie Ray too. I, I just loved listening to your breakdowns of him over the course of this off season, even since December first. We talked about him multiple times, but. He had a big season last year, and he has been up and down in the past in his career. What gives you confidence as you watch him? You've played that position. You can break it down better than anybody. What gives you confidence that he's found it and it's here to stay? Well, I think a lot of things you do physically end up carrying over mentally. Everyone's like, well, mentally he got more confident. Well, there's, there's a reason why, because you do something and you make an adjustment or you revert back to what feels right physically, and then boom, all of a sudden it, it, it hits, it clicks, and then you just go off. So for Robbie Ray, he, when he went, he got traded over the D-backs and they, they wanted to make a few adjustments and he was, you know, working through it and everything else uh, physically with his timing, mechanical, mechanically speaking. And then he gets to the Blue Jays and, and basically he got to a place where it's just like, hey, look, just get back to what you're doing. And he has that little turn and that little pause. He, gets, he just gets what, into a, more of a coil position and then he can just fly off that back, off that back foot and that's exactly what he did. And so when you get that, he got a little bit of that back in 2020. And all of a sudden, he's like, yeah, I'm good. Here we go. I am good. I'm, I'm in a place that I'm really comfortable at. Obviously, with the Blue Jays, I'm, I'm gone, I've gone back to what feels right. I've been doing this since I was 12. And now, now I can just go for it. And then that slider, the, 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 the off-speed stuff just went through the roof. His fastball command, he, he's, he just went into attack mode. All these little things. Then he rolls into 2021. You could just see it, man. He pitched the game middle of summer in, in uh, Seattle. I was with my kids, and I was watching him pitch. 
you know, a couple of rows, but I have really good seats. I, I know someone and they hooked me up <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I have really good seats. And, you know, my kids are sitting there saying, hey, Dad, I want to go get cotton candy or something. I was just locked in. I, I couldn't. I was like, yeah, I, sure, sure, I need to watch because Robbie Ray was pitching. I was like, man, this is so fun to watch. A dude who went through just a little bit of back and forth and big prospect. Everyone was excited about him when he was going over to the D-backs. It didn't quite work out. It was inconsistent. And then just clicked. And you can just see that look on, on their face like, yeah, I'm good. And, and that's exactly how he looks. So with that, I think he's right at the, not the beginning, but basically in, in the early stages of a period of his career where he's just going to dominate. Obviously, if he stays injury-free and every, all the other good stuff, and the Mariners got him right at the right time. So I think that's really exciting. I can't wait to watch him. Exciting to hear that coming from you, and fun to hear that this is somebody that you wouldn't leave your seat to watch. That is good stuff. Yeah. Ryan, we've just got one I, more minute. I will say this. I did smash some cotton candy on that night. <laughs> <But> anyway. <laughs> well, that's what you have kids for, so they can go get your cotton candy right. while you're at the game. Exactly. Exactly. That's right. We've only got one minute to go here, but this is the hot stove uh, section of the hot stove show, so... Give me a name. Who would when this thing unlocks when they the wheeling and the dealing and the buying starts again? Who would you just absolutely be over the moon if you saw the Mariners bring in? Well, I said a million times. I said, look, Chris Bryant, and then everyone's like, no, no. What about Trevor Story? And then a couple things on this. One of those guys, I would love it. Right? They're big names. Why not? Uh, I, I like the fact that I'm not giving you a clear answer here because I know only a minute. Chris Bryant. I like the veteran leadership and the playoff experience. That is massive. It's one of those intangibles that I think this young team really needs. But then you, then again, you look at Trevor Story. Dude, he, the guy hit 24 home runs, but you look at some of the numbers, man. He would hit 40 if it was in some other ballparks, which is really strange because in Colorado, the ball kind of flies, but he hits that ball to right center field a ton. But I would love, if you're tossed up between those two, I want to see a big name. They're going to come here because all of a sudden the Mariners are in business. They're going to be good. They, they saw Robbie Ray, so all of a sudden, from a recruiting standpoint, they can say, look, with they're here to win. Chris Bryant, man, I think he would be a great addition uh, in the middle of that lineup, veteran leadership and everything that goes with it. So I'd love to see that, man, and lengthen that lineup, and they'll be good to go. You just won Howdy's heart there. That's his guy and has been since day oh, one. So. You're my guy now, Ryan. You, you, you won me over for good. <laughs> but he also yeah, did hey, say By Trevor the way, from, from a player's perspective, <laughs> nothing but good things. They all, everyone loves him, apparently. Everyone says he's the man. So that, that, that speaks volumes, too. Absolutely. Ryan, we will hopefully do this again and hopefully you know get back to those two-hour shows when everybody is back, when everything is unlocked, and we get yes. back to, quote, normal. Really appreciate you stopping by tonight. Of course. Anytime, guys. Can't wait. You're jealous, aren't you, Howdy? I get to talk to Ryan you know, three, four times a week during the season. I'm so jealous. For an I, hour. I mean, I just, that's what we do after games. We sit and we just go. I could talk to that guy all day long, every day. We talk to, to all sorts of people watching the game and what their experience is. But, man, you hear that guy's energy and how he's watching the guys on the mound. Oh, man, I would love to sit down and watch a game with him. Yeah, and now that he's hosting his own podcast, he's on to us. He knows what we do now, so he, he's <laughs> keeping us on our toes, which is great. Hey, the ultimate way to experience Mariners baseball is by booking a 2022 sweet night. Enjoy private seating, VIP parking, fantastic ballpark fare, and much more. To secure your suite and enjoy the summer's top ball games in style, visit mariners.com slash suites. Coming up next, another guy we enjoy talking with and, and have worked with for quite a while now. We're going to hear a little bit more about Jake Heaps and baseball as the Hot Stove Show continues on 710 ESPN Seattle. The Hot Stove Show on 710 ESPN Seattle. Well, James, this is quickly becoming my favorite segment 
of the hot stove. And if we're looking for kind of the, the bright side of this is absolutely tarnished coin of a lockout is, is we're getting to know people better. People that were around every day at the station. People that everybody is listening to right now, that's who you're listening to baseball from during the day. And you know what? We got a lot of people who have some nice baseball histories and relationships with the game. And this is awesome for me because I have produced every one of the people's shows that we're having on at some point in time. I've either been on the air or produced their shows. So I know a lot about how their baseball works, their Mariner fandom, some of their history. And it's exciting for me to bring some of those off-the-record conversations we've had to the people. And so it's exciting to talk to our friend Jake Heaps from the Jake and Stacy show, 10 to 2 every day. Jake, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm doing great, guys. Like, seriously, I am honored to be on the show with you guys. This is going to be super fun. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And, uh, you know, please take it easy on me. I, I'm, I'm kind of <laughs> nervous walking into this with, with, with you two guys. Now, come on. You do the Jeez. Scott Service show every week during the season. So you, you've had, you've, you've broken in nicely. I will say that. I will say that <laughs> can be a challenge. And I'm sure you've learned there's a difference between a manager and a head coach. Oh, there, there's no question in, in the different approach and the different types of comments that they have and, and the way that this whole thing works and the way the season works. And it was really, truly a privilege to be able to uh, interview Scott Service through the year. And, and Shannon, as you know, and Howdy, as you know, you know with your guys' experience, Scott Service is very unique in terms of the way that he approaches it from a managerial uh, perspective and I, I believe that yes, there are times where he is a a closed book on the on the right things, but he's very open and reminds me a lot of Pete Carroll in in certain aspects of he wants to teach people the game and wants to have open conversations about certain things. And there were certainly times where I would ask him a question that maybe bothered him or annoyed him at the time, but he's still very open to teach and to help everyone understand the game and and what he's thinking and where they're at as an organization and ultimately what they're trying to accomplish. And that is so incredibly refreshing. Well, I'd love to know a little bit more about learning the game from your perspective. So I I do want to get deeper into your guys' relationship and what you've learned from Scott Service, but take us to the beginning. Jake Heaps, star quarterback through high school and college and played with the Seahawks, but you're not a one-sport guy, are you? No, no. Actually, my first love, guys, uh, in, in sports was basketball. That was my first love. Enjoyed the heck out of it. And then baseball was a huge part of my my upbringing. My dad was actually a very, uh, very, very good high school baseball player. Uh, played at Kent Meridian, played second in shortstop. And anybody that I run into during that time... They're like, you have no idea how good your dad was. Um, and, and they're right. I, I, I do have no idea how great he was other than going and watching his uh, softball games growing up and, and tournaments and all that. But fun, fun quick story. My dad goes and, uh, goes on to, to BYU to play college baseball, tears his ACL twice in church pickup basketball games. His baseball career is over, uh, and he's working for Farmers Insurance. And Farmers Insurance and the Mariners had bump, a long bump, bump, bump. We they had a long partnership. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And uh, and my dad is going out there and hitting BP uh, in the Kingdom, and the Mariners were watching him just hitting bomb after bomb, and they ended up actually offering him a contract with the Aqua Sox. Um, when uh, when he had my sister and just before uh, he had me, so uh, kind of kind of a funny story. But baseball has definitely been a huge part of my life and my upbringing, and I played it all the way up until uh, high school. Um, and uh, and I, I love it; I absolutely love it. 
That's absolutely insane. I have never heard that story. What was it a consideration, or did he's like, no, I've got a family, I got to do this? I mean, was was there a conversation well, about? You no, know, Shannon, he was thinking. I got to raise a star quarterback sometime <laughs> soon. I can't be just throwing this away from my minor league dreams. I got to raise a star quarterback. Yeah, you know, actually, he ended up turning it down. Uh, he never even talked to my mom about it. And to this day, you know, my mom was always like, what were you thinking? Like, of course I would have said yes. We would have figured it out. But, you know, at the time, it, just trying to move on with his life and um, and all that. But, yeah, pretty crazy. Um, and so it's it's always been something that I was encouraged to play. I loved playing it. And then it got to a point where, you know, you get to today's day and age and specialization and all that. It's it's not something I encourage, but I was on, you know, top travel teams for football, top travel teams for basketball, top travel teams for baseball, and something had to give. And, and uh, you know, I, I ended up choosing football, uh, you know, down the road. And um, But I do miss baseball. I love the – I love, you know, just every aspect of baseball um, – and uh, that's why it's so incredibly fun for me to now, with my football career being done, now covering the Mariners so closely and, and getting back into it um, you know, on an everyday basis. One of the things I've enjoyed watching, and I've chuckled a little bit here, it feels like the sense of urgency with you is a little different. I feel like I sometimes have to talk you off of ledges. Like there is a real <laughs> no. fan in there. During the season, you know, the, the big games, you are on Twitter, and you can tell that you are just hanging on every pitch and, and uh, the edge of your seat if you're not at the ballpark. And then in the off season, what are we going to do? We've got to fix this. We've got to do this. There is, It's, it's kind of gone different level for you, it feels. It has. Well, and it's because I've always been a Mariners fan. That's because, you know, Seattle sports is, is what I grew up with and, um, you know, came from a very heavy sporting family, um, from both sides. And, and so this is in my blood and, um, you know, watching the Mariners and seeing the Mariners be successful and having those tremendous memories of even as a young kid, um, in the 90s and 2000s, how impactful and how special those moments were in my life and how I know how it impacted me and how much I loved the game then, um, it, it inspires me to look at this team now knowing that they're on a 21-year drought of making the playoffs but now for the first time seeing this light at the end of the tunnel of where they can not only be competitive guys but that they can truly you know be a sustainable winner and the urgency that i feel to have that feeling here in seattle and i look at the cincinnati bengals and some of the other franchises that you could look at in mlb uh over the last few years that have had recent success um with these fan bases that have never been able to experience that and how special that is. And I know that if that is to happen here in Seattle, how amazing that will be and how special it will be. And, and I am, I'm very, very much in it to see that happen here in Seattle. And, and, uh, I'm putting my, all my faith, all my chips down and, uh, out in front, uh, with Jerry DePoto and ownership and Scott service that they can get it done. Tell me about this last season. I, I totally agree with Shannon. I saw the same fandom from you, which I loved, and uh, it was great to connect with you on that level last year throughout the season. But what, what what about last year made it so exciting? What turned the corner for you with that team? Well, what turned the corner for me was the fact that this team was so gritty. 
the fact that this team, honestly, the conversation going into the year, and Shannon had to continue to remind me and remind me and remind me that this is still a year about development. This is still about you know figuring out who you have and how you're going to grow and 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 really challenging the guys on your roster that, hey, here's your opportunity. You're going to show us whether or not you're going to be a part of the solution moving forward or if you're not. And you have to give leeway to those guys to figure it out. And there were some tough stretches. There were some no-hitters. There were some difficult points. But then you look at when J.P. Crawford really started to turn things around in June and just become uh, this different player, everything started to change. And you started to see the culture really come together that Scott Service had been trying to build um, amidst all the losing, building a winning culture, and how that culture manifested itself in the most positive way. They were not the most talented team. They were certainly not a complete team, but they played for each other, and that was so special to watch and and be a part of. And then to also watch it from a dad perspective now that I have young kids taking them to the ballpark and watching them just fall in love with the Mariners, fall in love with these new names and you know how exciting that is on a different level, it just really brought it all together for me. Love to hear that. Love to hear the family aspect of that. We have just got one more minute, and we're going to have to do these more often. That's all there is to it. But what are you most looking forward to seeing in 2022 from the Mariners? Well, what I'm looking forward to, just kind of like what Mitch Haniger said in his News Tribune piece and um, and reiterated that when he went on with Wyman and Bob, is the idea that the Mariners are going to take that next step and really show the city the the guys in the clubhouse and um, that this organization is ready to take that next step in competing for playoffs, complete competing for championships. That they know that their time is now, the future is here, and and that they're going to show that through the off season with additions and needing to add impact bats to round out this lineup. And uh, and and so I'm really truly excited to see that, and I'm truly excited to see the 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 growth in the young players of Jared Kelnick, J.P. Crawford, Logan Gilbert, and hopefully Julio Rodriguez hits the ground running when he uh, he comes up to the big league level. Well, Jake, I got one more question for you. You're Russell Wilson's personal quarterback coach, handpicked, baseball player, drafted. You watched a baseball game with Russell Wilson before? <laughs> uh, you know what? I have, actually. I have watched it, and it's it's uh, actually really fun to to get his perspective on the game and to get it from a from a professional baseball player, which is who Russell Wilson is um, and has been, and to be able to get the finer details and to talk through it, and and you know him and I have talked through his uh, his experience with the Yankees when he uh, he was able to uh, have that opportunity in spring training, and you know what he was trying to do, what he was trying to accomplish, what his approach at the plate was, what he was thinking of um, when he was at the plate, and um, you know it, there's just it just makes you realize there's just a whole nother level to baseball that we as the average fan or media member just we have an idea but we don't truly get the the inside aspect of it and um it's always fun talking baseball with russ well jake we're lucky to have you guys from 10 to 2 every day monday through friday as i said we got to do this again thanks buddy yeah absolutely thanks for having me on guys I so enjoy these conversations, and they're quite like the conversations we would have just sitting around the sports pit. we got a lot of baseball fans within these walls at 710. We do, and I'm just glad we get to do this every hour, uh, every Tuesday for an hour. 
it's not enough time, but man, it's so fun to look at where this team could be headed and where it's gone to how it's gotten to where it is now. This is just a blast. This is going to be exciting. You. Yeah, and lucky they're giving us another shot at doing this next week as well. So good for us. Hey, I want to thank Ryan Roland Smith for joining us. Cade Marlowe heard from him at the top of the hour. And of course, Jake Gibson. I don't know how I would do it without you, Howdy, but James Osborne right here. As I said, we will do it again next week. Have a good one.